Are you in a marriage where you're together but alone? How are you treating your spouse that is struggling? Your choices of how you respond to them can either help them move to a better place or drive them away. That's what we'll be looking at on this episode of Married by Design. The purpose of the Married by Design podcast is to encourage couples to enjoy all that God has for them in their marriage relationship. Welcome to Married by Design. We're in a series entitled Together But Alone. We're looking at the issues some face in a marriage in which they feel very alone. Maybe the person is married to a non-believer, or they're just struggling with sin, or something has happened and they've checked out of the marriage. What is a person to do in that kind of marriage? We've looked at examples in the Bible of a person in such a marriage, how Job did nothing wrong but found that his wife had checked out. We looked last week at how to cope with the sorrow, grief, and frustration of being in a lonely marriage. Hannah is a great example of how to cope with great loss and ongoing sorrow. And this week in our podcast, we're going to look at how to treat the spouse that is distant and checked out. How do you treat someone who is sabotaging the relationship or is pulled back and has no interest in working things through? Let's get right to the nuts and bolts up front. As we've said, there can be an underlying or not so underlying resentment, frustration, or downright anger and bitterness towards a spouse that is not pursuing the Lord and working on the marriage. The disappointment, angst, and disillusionment can be either held within, at a simmering level, or it can be overt and seriously affecting your actions and your relationship. As we said last week, it is expected and understandable to feel disappointed and saddened, But if you allow the dark side to take over and cultivate the anger, bitterness, and resentment in your heart, you'll be in a bad place that dishonors the Lord, renders you ineffective in your marriage, and quenches the work the Holy Spirit would do in you. It's a miserable place to be. And not only that, but it certainly doesn't help your marriage or foster reconciliation and progress with your spouse. That's right. The effects of sin. We have to turn from those things. We want to look at Colossians 3 in Paul's counsel to believers in a difficult situation. He writes in verse 8 that they must put away anger, wrath, malice, slander, obscene talk from your mouth. Put away. Stop doing these things and stop holding them in your heart. No anger, wrath, and malice. His point is that those are the things that people without Christ can hold on to and do. But not for the Christian. We are not to harbor and express those things. It applies to all of us as Christians. I think that Paul had to tell them to put off these things because they were doing them. They needed to be reminded and exhorted to be better, despite what they're facing and who they're dealing with. How does a Christian treat their wayward, indifferent, disappointing, struggling spouse? Not with anger and wrath. That would be the natural human response. If you've been treating your spouse that way, or have been harboring the animosity in your heart, how has that worked out so far? Sometimes we just need to step back and see that our way, that's man's way, is wrong and does not work. It leads to frustration, separation, and failure. And the Lord has a better way for the person in the difficult situation. When the temptation is to anger and bitterness and wrath, he calls a believer to do exactly what does not come natural, what is not logical. 
This is because we have to go beyond our own thinking and desires. Paul calls a believer, including the spouse who is together but alone, to a higher but attainable standard. He writes in Colossians 3, verses 12 to 15, Put on, then, as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another, and, if anyone has a complaint against another, forgiving each other, as the Lord has forgiven you, so you must forgive. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. There is so much good application in those verses for how a spouse should treat their wayward, unwilling partner. Uh, Paul first says to put on. Put on these characteristics. This kind of heart that flows into the way that you treat your spouse. You have to put on, to practice, to work through these truths in our hearts and your minds so that they become the framework for how you treat your spouse. I think it's a good idea to memorize and meditate on these verses every day, to think about them early and throughout the day. That's the start of having them to be the default thoughts and actions rather than anger and resentment. Put it on. But also, look at the why. Why should we put these things on like a garment? Because we are God's chosen ones. He chose you for His purposes and His glory, not your purposes and your desires not for your expectations, but His. This is not really about you and what you want. You are a chosen one, but you are also holy and beloved. And that word holy, again, that means set apart for His use and His purposes, but also beloved by Him, deeply and completely loved by Him, so much that He gave His Son to die for you on the cross. God's love for you is complete and boundless, and it can't be dismissed because of your situation. He loves you and cares for you through this time and will help you to fulfill His will because it's best for you. And then he lays out the right heart towards the wayward spouse. Compassion, kindness, humility, and meekness. Compassion is a desire to rescue and help those in need. Isn't that a better way to view the wayward spouse, lost and struggling and in need of rescue? Kindness and patience. How contrary is that for us uh, who are so easily harsh and impatient with our spouse, especially for those who are deeply disappointed and frustrated with their spouse? This is where the rubber meets the road. You have to walk by faith and obey when you don't feel like it and have every reason in the world to not treat your spouse God's way. Kindness, to respond to their needs just like the Good Samaritan took the time and sacrificed to help someone in need. And here it comes, bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you. Putting up with your spouse's weaknesses and failings. It doesn't mean that we never speak the truth, but not having a critical, condemning spirit. Forgiving. How many times should you forgive? Jesus' standard is far beyond our own. Of course, how many times has he forgiven you for the same sin you've done? and one that you'd willfully done. We need to remember the parable of the unforgiving servant that Jesus told. And put on love, that brings harmony. Love is other-oriented, sacrificial, doing all for the good of the one you have set your love on, 
not just the one you feel loving towards. And be thankful. Does the struggle in your marriage excuse you from being thankful? Can you only be thankful when everything's going well? Well, good luck with that. Give thanks in all things, for this is God's will for you. Not some things, not some time. It is amazing how our attitude changes when we recognize the immense number of things we need to thank God for. It turns a sour, critical attitude to a gracious, forbearing heart. Again, we're not in the situation you may be in, and it's easy for us to say these things. We have had to practice these things in our marriage, and we still do, but we have seen the fruit of it. They're not easy to apply and live out, but the the alternative is a lot harder life. It is not our ideas or suggestions. These are from God's Word, and they are His commands through the Apostle Paul. Let's look at a couple of other ideas that will help the struggling spouse to not be consumed with frustration, grief, and anger. One area to focus on is your own logs. We covered Jesus' teaching on the logs in Matthew 7 in our series on resolving conflict. We would encourage you to go back and review that series, especially on looking at yourself, confession, and forgiveness. Those areas are essential for the lonely spouse in a hard marriage to practice. There is such a natural tendency to focus on the glaring mistakes, choices, and sins of your spouse that are causing the disconnect and the frustration. But you can do little about their heart and choices. You have total control over your choices and obedience. It seems to make sense to focus on what you have control over, as Jesus teaches. Focusing on what you have no control over will only lead to frustration. Focusing on what you can do, dealing with your heart, as we've already discussed, walking closely with God, and becoming the best partner you can be despite where the relationship is, gives you a better focus and the ability to accomplish what God wants you to in your life. And Colossians 3.15, at the end of that passage, reads, And let the peace of God rule in your hearts. Let it rule. Let God's peace have free reign and control rather than the turmoil and angst and endless effort to do something that you can't do change your spouse. You can't, but God can. Let Him do it in His time. He worked finally with Hannah. He provided for Job. You have to allow the Holy Spirit to do His work in your spouse's heart. Let the Holy Spirit convince them of their error in thinking and actions, rather than your nagging and arguing. Let the Holy Spirit illumine their mind and give them understanding, rather than you lecturing and smothering them with the truth. He can do it a lot more effectively. Let the Holy Spirit soften their heart and humble them, rather than your efforts to guilt them and make them feel bad about where they are at and what they are doing. When you cease striving and know that He is God, that's Psalm 46, verse 10. When you realize that He is God and He is Lord and He can do it better than you, you stop striving and trying to do it yourself. You stop all the tiring effort and can rest and look for His work. It's not with chariots and horses, but it's by His Spirit. Does that mean that you never say anything? We're not suggesting that. But you don't bludgeon them with the truth. Don't harp and lecture and beat them with it. When you trust the Holy Spirit's work in their life, you should also trust the Holy Spirit's work in your life. If you are walking with the Lord, 
having put off the anger and bitterness and resentment, the Holy Spirit will direct you as to what and when to say something. He will lead you to speak just the right truth at the right time. He will use you when you allow Him to control you and your mind. Then it's not forced or your own effort. It's His gentle voice that is spoken to an open, submissive, trusting heart. Then you can watch God work. And now for your homework, your mission, should you choose to accept it, is to take one of these areas and pray over it. Memorize a verse related to it and begin to put it in practice. If you're supporting somebody who is in the situation, pray for them and suggest they listen to this episode. Well, let me pray. Father, I pray that you would use these words, not our words, but what Paul says in Colossians and what Jesus says to help people that are struggling in this kind of marriage to look to you Uh, to know how to respond, Lord, that they would be forgiving and gracious, that they would speak the truth in love, uh, Lord, but that you would use them, uh, God, in their sense of humility and patience and bearing with their spouse, and that you would use that in some way in the relationship, Lord, to restore to what it should be. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, that's it for this week. We hope that this is an encouragement to those who are struggling in a hard marriage. Would you share this podcast episode with somebody right now and even share it on Facebook? Thanks for being with us. Next week on our series, we'll be addressing the ways that the together but alone spouse can have a powerful influence over their spouse by living by faith and setting a biblical standard in the marriage. That's what we'll be looking at next week on Married by Design. 